Good morning, and welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin's live stream of our worship service, where we gather virtually and in spirit every Sunday morning during this time where we cannot gather together in person because of the resurgence of the COVID-19 virus in our area. Let us hope this latest surge subsides soon so we can gather together in person again soon. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimerson, Minister for Program Development here at First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, and I welcome each of you to our service. I especially want to welcome our visitors this morning. If you're on a platform where you can do so, please feel free to say hello in the comments and let us know from where you're watching the service. Also, if you open a new browser and go to austinuu.org, near the top you'll see a link to a new page that lists all of the links you might need during the service today, all in one place, including, if you're a visitor, an online form we'd love for you to fill out to let us know a little more about you, as well as for everyone, a link where you can download the order of service for today. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. And it's in that tradition that I invite you to greet the holy among us this morning, either by saying hello in the comments, if you have a platform where you can do so, or by simply sensing the heartstring connections that bind us together. Join me as we light our chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship this morning is written by Reverend Ken Herto, a white Unitarian Universalist minister. One of the major shifts in human understanding has been a move away from seeing ourselves as solitary, independent agents in charge of our own destiny towards a more complex awareness that we are in a direct function of who we are with. We are relational creatures. Everything about us is shaped by our connection or disconnection with those around us. One of the things that help us, helps us to maintain a sense of connection as a religious community here at First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin is that we have a common religious purpose. That purpose here at the church is our mission. The congregation established it together. We put it on our wall here in the sanctuary and we say it together every Sunday so that we might more readily hold it in our hearts throughout the week. Let's do so now. Together, We nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Each week, to explore more fully what we mean by that term, beloved community, we've been having a moment for beloved community. And this week, I am so pleased that our Director of Religious Education, Kelly Stokes, is going to share with us a few thoughts for our moment. Good morning. In a little while, I'm going to read you a book that's a celebration of and dedicated to black boy joy and strength and courage and talents and resilience. And I hope you'll really enjoy it. But as 
Reverend Chris and I were talking about identity and talking about this book and the sermon today, we were asking ourselves the question, why are books like this needed? Why do we need special books just to uplift people? Why do we need gay pride parades? Our culture has this habit of judging people based on how they look or who they love. As Unitarian Universalists, we have the opportunity to cultivate and celebrate our own unique spiritual and personal identities. And we also have this responsibility and joy of celebrating and uplifting others' unique identities. So I have a little optional religious education homework assignment for you. As a way of disrupting our culture's habit of judging, I'd like for us to notice what kind of judgments and assumptions we're making about others. So a good way to do this might be when you're in a store, just look at the person in front of you in line and notice what assumptions you are making about them. Don't worry about whether the assumptions are right or wrong. Don't label them good or bad. Just notice what things do you assume about this person just based on the way that they look. Now it's time for the story. Sometimes the way we speak to ourselves about ourselves inside our own minds is not very kind. What if we could speak to ourselves and maybe each other the way this book does? I am every good thing by Derek Barnes, illustrated by Gordon C. James. I am a non-stop ball of energy, powerful and full of light. I am a go-getter, a difference maker, a leader. I am every good thing that makes the world go round, you know, like gravity or the glow of moonbeams over a field of brand new snow. I am good to the core, like the center of a cinnamon roll. Yeah, that good. I am skateboard tricks, scraped knees and elbows, but you know what? I'm right back on my feet again. I am one eye open, one eye closed, peeking through a microscope, gazing through a telescope, checking out the spaces around me and plotting out those far off places I have yet to go, but will. I am a gentleman and a scholar. I am kind and polite like yes ma'am and yes sir, helping my grandmother cross the street and saying bless you when a stranger has to sneeze. I'm a cool breeze, a perfect paper airplane that glides for blocks, for miles, forever. I am a roaring flame of creativity. I am a lightning round of questions and a star-filled sky of solutions. I am an explorer planting a flag on every square foot of this planet where I belong. I am a sponge soaking up information, knowledge, and wisdom. I want it all and I am all ears. I am Saturday mornings in the summertime. I am two bounces and a front flip off the diving board. I am hilarious. I am the life of the party. I am that smile forming on your face right now. I'm the boom bop, boom boom bop when the bass line thumps and the kick drum jumps. I'm the perfect beat, the perfect rhyme, keeping everything on point and always on time. 
but you already knew that. I'm a grand slam, bases fully loaded. I'm a nasty two-handed dunk holding on to the rim just to remind you that I'm still the man. Believe that. I am the undisputed champion. I am a highlight reel of magnificence. I am the celebration, the applause, and the standing ovation. I am victory. I am a brother, a son, a nephew, a favorite cousin, a grandson. I am a friend. I am real. I am tight hugs, a hand to hold, a shoulder to cry on, if you have to. I hope you never have to. I am here. Although I am something like a superhero, every now and then I am afraid. I am not what they might call me, and I will not answer to any name that is not my own. I am what I say I am. I am that sound in the forest when the mighty tree falls. I am waves crashing gently on the shore. I am a force of nature, a miracle, a blessing. I am brave, I am hope, I am my ancestor's wildest dream. I am worthy of success, of respect, of safety, of kindness, of happiness. And without a shadow of a doubt, I am worthy to be loved. I am worthy to be loved. Our meditation reading by Alex Klingenberg, a white Unitarian Universalist minister. Imperfectly divine. Spirit of life, earth, and sea, and sky, place of deep longing in my heart. Find your way from silence to voice. Give me strength and courage to speak truth through my life. For I am a creature of the universe, small but infinite, a momentary body in the sea of life, and also the sea itself. I am gathered bits of energy and one who gathers a creation and a creator. Let me not hold too tightly to one form and lose the other, for we are not form but process, ever-changing and ever-renewing. Help us see that we are neither the beginning nor the end, but something perfectly natural and imperfectly divine. This is the time in our service when we center ourselves together we breathe together. And breathing together in and out, in and out, we sense one another's loving presence even across virtual space. We turn virtual space into beloved spiritual community. Breathing in and out, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, place where we have a greater sense of the universal process of becoming, of which we are a part. That place where a spark of the divine resides. 
within each of us. Breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence together. Let us enter that sacred silence now. Poet Walt Whitman once said, Do I contradict myself? Very well, then, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. When we think about our identities, whether as individuals or as communities, I think it may actually be advantageous that sometimes we are contradictory. We contain multitudes. I think perhaps we need a multitude of potential ways of self-actualizing to cope with the many circumstances in which we often find ourselves. And as our readings earlier in the service pointed toward, we are relational creatures. Our identities are shaped by our connections or lack thereof. And as the readings pointed toward, They are also shaped by our experiences. Research demonstrates that contrary to how it might seem to us, our identities are a process. They evolve as we move through life, learn and grow. And that is true no matter at what age of life we find ourselves. Harvard psychologist Dan Gilbert puts it this way. Human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. The person you are right now is as transient, as fleeting, and as temporary as all the people you've ever been. The one constant in our life is change. Now, that doesn't mean that there are not essential elements of oneself, that we don't carry forward our prior experiences and identities. In fact, a theology called process theology that believes we're always growing, always changing, always becoming, would state that our carrying forward of our prior selves is essential to soul growth and nurtures the unfolding of the divine in our world. Carrying them forward also simply helps to inform who we are still becoming. Now, that's a little up in the head, isn't it? 
Let me give you an example from earlier in my own life. When I was in my mid to late 20s, my mom came to visit me while I was living in Denver, Colorado. I'd moved there a few years earlier and had just separated from Pat, a guy with whom I had been partners and lived with for six years. My mom and I had gone up to a small town in the mountains outside of Denver and were having lunch at a little cafe. While I had come out as gay to many of the friends I'd made after moving away from the little East Texas town where I'd grown up, I had not openly discussed it with my family. I realized that I couldn't share with my mother what was going on in my life or really the whole of who I was until I told her. I drew a deep breath and told her that I was gay and that I was going through a difficult time because Pat and I had been partners but had just separated. There was a pause. Then she said, Well, your stepfather and I have known this for a while. Why do you think I used to make a bed for you and Pat both with that one blow-up mattress when y'all would come to visit? Well, that was easier than I imagined it might be, I was thinking to myself. As we continued to talk, what she expressed the most concern about was the oppression she was afraid I would experience, the way I might be treated by others. I'll come back to that in a moment. What I didn't know at the time is that that conversation was not only an important, of my, uh, an important part of my claiming my identity right then, but also who I would become in the future. It set the stage for my current spouse, Wayne, becoming an integral part of my, our family. To this day, when I talk with my mom over the phone, she almost always ends the call with, I love you. Tell Wayne I love him, too. When my grandfather was in the hospital at the end of his life, my spouse Wayne was there with us, and he was questioning one of the specialists about whether they were giving my grandfather adequate hydration. The specialist, after informing us we were lucky he was even there because it was a holiday weekend, turned to Wayne and said, And are you even a member of this family? My mom's sister, my Aunt Becky, stepped right in and said, He most certainly is. Now answer his damn question. As I mentioned earlier, our relationships are a big part of how our identities develop. I can't imagine that I would be the same person if I hadn't lived with and loved Wayne for the past 30 years. And the support of both of our families was an important part of that. I know not everyone gets such support, so I'm grateful. Now, I want to turn back to my mom worrying about the oppression I might encounter because of being gay. I want to turn back because that oppression, my experiences of it, both became a part of my identity over time and was something I had to overcome in order to claim my true and full self. 
It's difficult to articulate sometimes, but for gay folks, our identity isn't just about to whom we're attracted, who we love, but it's also about our experiences throughout life, our experiences of the world from a very young age when we and sometimes other folks recognized that we didn't fit a heteronormative mold. As Kelly mentioned earlier, We have to ask why it's necessary for there to be a story upholding the worth and wonderfulness of black boys. It is necessary, though, to help folks claim their true identities. Race is a false construct, yet a construct that heavily affects folks who experience oppression because of it. And that oppression can be a barrier to self-actualization. The Black Lives Matter movement is necessary precisely because too often our criminal justice system and our larger society have acted as if they do not. We need LGBTQI pride events so that folks can claim who we truly are. And though it's been criticized even within Unitarian Universalism, sometimes we need identity groups such as those based upon race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation or disability, so that folks who share a common set of experiences can be alone together to more safely explore self-fulfillment and actualization. The often derided identity politics is many times just a group of folks asking that our governmental policy allow folks to claim their full humanity, not be denied basic human rights when trying to do so. One of our tasks as a spiritual community, as Kelly also mentioned earlier, is to not only claim our own full identities, but to create the space and environment where other folks can also. That brings me to a video I want to share with you. It's about how often even those of us who have experienced oppression ourselves can thwart others' claiming of their own identity if we try to speak for them, no matter how well intended. A friend of mine says, it's not the oppression Olympics. My experiences of oppression as a gay person and those of someone who has experienced racism are not the same, and they both matter. Anyway, let me allow a couple of talented young folks to speak to this. The The first day I realized I was black. It was 2000. We had just learned about blacks for the first time in second grade at recess. All the white kids chased me into the wood chanting slave. My mother said I refused to come out for three hours. Said she thinks I was lost in the trees, but I just needed to be closer to my roots. As As a a woman, woman, having a boyfriend is a battle. If 70% of us are abused in a lifetime, what is the number of men doing it? The answer is not one man running faster than light to complete a mission, and that is what leaves me sick. The second day I realized I was black was in a gas station. I only had 25 cents, so I searched what to spend it on. The cashier floated from aisle to aisle, eyes fixed on my hands. That That was was the the first first time time I realized realized skin color color was a crime. crime. My body has become cause to write legislation, cause for ass smacks in the back of a class. My body has demanded everything except respect. I've been asked, what makes you feel unsafe? And I struggle not to yell everything. Everything. The third day I realized I was black was in an all-white cafeteria. 
I gathered my legs under me, made rockets on my feet, and approached a girl. She told me she was not into my type of guy. I felt the words shoot daggers into my melanin. I have never wanted to disappear so bad. As a woman, I've learned to answer to everything except my name. Little lady is not said to mean equal, but to make sure I remember my place. I battle between wanting to own my body and accepting there is a one in four chance. A man will lay claim to my skin, a plot of land for the taking. The last day I realized I was black was in an elevator in California. To the white woman that told me she knows what it feels like to be black because she grew up poor. I, I would, would tell, tell you to think, think before, before you speak, speak but your mind has got to be bacteria infected and any filter through that labyrinth of nothingness might be worse than no thought at all there's a group of women going around the room sharing their personal definition of feminism he is the only man in the room and all of a sudden the tone switches to destroying the patriarchy by annihilating all men do you know what it feels like to be black to pop lock your way in and out of hugs it is not a problem you want to sympathize but, but to, to tell, tell me you know, know my pain, pain is to stab yourself in the leg because you saw me get shot we have two different wounds and looking at yours does nothing to heal mine never will i turn away an ally but when a man speaks on my behalf that only proves my point movements are driven by passion not by asserting yourself dominant by a world that already puts you there you, you speak, speak to no pain, pain you, you only fathom because we told you it was there, there. You, you know nothing of silence until, until someone, someone who cannot know your pain tells you how to fix it every day is a crucifixion when there is no regards for lines Cross. I fight so my voice can be heard. I fight for the voices you silence all in the name of what is right. The, the problem, problem is, is you assume this struggle is attached to a social class. I am black and bold and beautiful by nature. Ain't no income that can change that. The problem with speaking up for each other is that everyone is left without, without a, a voice. voice. So though we can and I hope will interrupt when we witness, for instance, acts of racism, we do a disservice if we try to speak for someone else. I'll close by talking a bit about how these cultural norms that get set up that preference whiteness, for example, can actually keep all of us from self-actualizing. The norms become so stifling that even those of us who may have one form of privilege or another are still restricted from expressing our authentic, full selves for fear of being vulnerable, for fear of being attacked ourselves, for fear of losing some of that privilege. Like it or not, both our oppressions and our privileges can become a part of what forms us and may ultimately also constrain our very souls. As Parker Palmer, author, educator, and activist who focuses on issues of spirituality and social change puts it, Afraid that our inner light will be extinguished or our inner darkness exposed, we hide our true identities from each other. In the process, we become separated from our own souls. We end up living divided lives so far removed from the truth we hold within that we cannot know the integrity that comes from being what you are. Our task then as a religious community is to create a space where each of us and all who we may encounter may more fully be able to claim full and whole identities, express vulnerability and authenticity, nourish our very souls. 
I'll leave you with a poem from Unitarian Universalist poet and minister, Reverend Tess Bomberger. Wouldn't it be great if you could take a picture of your soul? Then, when your mother wanted to brag about you, she could show people the picture and say, That's my daughter. Doesn't she have a beautiful soul, all sparkly and many-colored and all flowing around her? Wouldn't it be great if we walked around surrounded by our souls so that they were the first things people saw instead of the last things? Then people would judge us by who we really are instead of how we look. Imagine no more racism, ageism, sexism, fatism, shortism, homophobia. Imagine falling in love with who a person is just by looking at them. It would be a kind of cloaking device, hiding physical faults, defects, or even perfections. I want it to be mandatory. Then people would work at making their souls more attractive instead of their bodies and faces. Imagine people knowing by your soul that you really need a hug. Imagine people helping each other and their souls changing colors or growing. Imagine soul gyms with exercises to get your sagging soul in shape. Imagine the long lines forming for soul lifts at churches, temples, mosques, synagogues, or nature's grand cathedrals. I love that. May we exercise, lift up, and show the whole world our very souls. Let there now be an offering to support the mission and ministries of First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin during this challenging time. If you go to austinuu.org, you will see a link to our secure online contributions page. You can also mail your contributions to the church. It's 4700 Grover Avenue, Austin, Texas, 78756. We are checking the mail each week and making deposits and are so grateful for your support. Join me as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Now, as we end near the end of our service and prepare to return to the routines of our daily lives, may your heart be full. And from that fullness, may you live wholeheartedly. May your soul shine brightly for all the world to see. I wish you much peace. I send you much love. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.